Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fish Nerds, the show about fish, fishing, and eating fish. I'm Clay Grove, Chief Executive Fishing fishing Nerd, uh, Licensed Fishing Guide, Best Friend, and uh, happy to be here today. It's uh, getting near the end of February here in New Hampshire, I guess, and probably wherever you are too. Welcome to the show. Tonight on the show, we're going to, uh, in reverse order, we're going to get into a little fish sex talk, talking about how togue reproduce. We're going to do some fish in the news, and the crappy hippie brings us part two of Anna on Ice. We're going deep diving with uh, this ice fishing uh, person that uh, the crappy hippie is a huge, huge fan of, and so are we here at fishnerds.com. So lots of fun today on the show. Quick bit of housekeeping. First, we are running a contest right now. It's a call-in contest, and you can win fabulous prizes. We have everyone who enters will get a fish nerds decal. And the, the grand prize is a Fish Nerds hat, decal, and prize package uh, from Glasswater Lead Free Lures. So lots of good prizes here at Fish Nerds. And here's a contest. Call the number 607-378-FISH and tell us your luckiest fishing story. Something excellent that happened to you because you were fishing or something luck that happened, something positive that happened. And the goal is to get 10 or 12 of these entries in before St. Patrick's Day. So far, we have one entry one that's not enough we need 10 12 15 20 as many as you can if something good ever happened while fishing lucky thing ever happened tell us a story about it 607-378-FISH when you call us leave us a nice clean voicemail talk a little slower than you might usually talk and then at the very end of the voicemail take a little half a second breath and give me your name and address super slow and super clear so I can write it on an envelope and mail you a decal. I did get new decals in just this week from our uh, decal people over at uh, over at uh, uh, Backwoods Graphics. And so Liam gave us some stickers to give out. So I will get those in the mail this week. Uh, so get that call. Get those calls in. And why don't we start with the news and then we'll get into a little bit of togue sex. News, news, fish in the news. Everybody this first bit of fishy news is from sportdiver.com, and the, the headline is, How Far Can Sharks Smell Blood? Uh, and, <clears throat> and as far as I'm concerned, uh, I'm scared of this one. <laughs> so as with many science questions, the answer is complicated and depends on context, and it varies a lot by species and environmental conditions. However, the oft-quoted trope that sharks can smell a drop of blood a mile away is nonsense. It's just not how smell works. When you smell something, tiny particles at something are interacting with the uh, chemoreceptors in your nose, something to keep in mind the next time you smell something gross. Let's talk a little bit of how smell works underwater before we answer the question of how far away sharks can smell blood. This is cool. In the case of sharks, they don't really have nose or nostrils, but they have a nostril-like opening called nares. Inside the nares are lots of sensory cell-covered skin folds called olfactal lamellae, and these interact with tiny particles that sharks smell, uh, and while sharks famously devote a huge chunk of their brain to their sense of smell, it's worth noting that this actually varies enormously between species. 
So sharks can't smell a drop of blood a mile away, but one thing they're pretty good at detecting is low concentrations of odors that indicate the presence of prey, not just blood. All kinds of organic molecules. Even the faint hit of odor is enough to alert a shark. So your, uh, you know, your, your uh, body odor might attract them. Uh, in 2010, a paper noted that their sensitivity to those odors was fairly comparable to many bony fishes, so not extraordinary. Uh, sharks don't just use their sense of smell to detect pre- presence of prey, but can even use it to determine the direction the prey is coming from. In one study, scientists experimented manipulating the source of smell underwater, and the shark was able to find where it was coming from. So they can use it for their sense of directions. And that's not all. Sharks can even use their sense of smell to find their way home. And researchers suggest sharks might be losing this powerful sense as a consequence of changing ocean chemistry due to climate change. Uh, We don't know exactly what's happening there yet, but we're going to keep an eye on it. So the question, how far away can sharks smell blood? And this question is... uh, is unusually hard to track down a good answer to. Textbooks and shark biology and physics don't mention it, and neither do peer-reviewed scientific journal articles about structured function of sharks' chemoreceptors. Uh, But it's a fun thing to talk about, good for engagement, uh, and a great way to get people talking. So no one really knows how far they can smell, but they do smell really well within 100 to 300 meters um, which is pretty pretty good, but it's not miles away. So that was good. And that's written by um, David Schiffman, who we know of from this show. We've, we've, uh, we've heard from him in the past and from sportdiver.com. So thank you. How, how far can sharks smell blood? The next story, really important uh, story here in fishy science. Uh, this is from uh, laughingasquid.com. Or this is a hard-hitting news source. A fish becomes a master of its own destiny inside a robotic fish tank that it controls. This is cool. A fish becomes a master of its own destiny inside a robotic fish tank. The speed and direction of the robot are determined by the position of the fish relative to the middle of its tank. So it changes as the fish swims around its tank. The robot was built by a group of friends for Build 18 at Carnegie Mellon University. And that's all it that's the whole article. So basically you got this little little robot and I'm playing this little robot controlled by a fish and he swims back and forth, but I'm not sure the fish has intent. The uh basically the the, the tank moves around as the fish moves, but the question I have is does the fish have intent to go anyplace? That would be far more interesting to, to study uh than whether the, the position of the fish just who cares uh, but anyway it's cute to watch a fish in a tank that's your fish in the news <laughs> terrible news, news, fish in the news. Everybody loves their fish in the news. came up yeah we have a private we have private public facebook group called the fish nerds podcast and i get a lot of our content for the show from that section. So this was a question about sex. So I think it's only appropriate that we play a little bit of fishy, sexy music. Everyone, it seems, wants to get more fish in the world. It's up to you and me,
Uh, so now we're in the mood to talk about togue sex. My fishing partner, Vinny, asked the question. I have a doctor for you. I have a doctor. I have a question for you, Doc Martin. Do fish stop breeding at a certain age? Today, the New Hampshire State record trout, uh, lake trout was caught uh, 30, uh, 37 pounds and change. Probably a very, very old fish. Do fish at a certain age stop reproducing? And the reason, the reason this important question is, is we often look at these large fish as big breeders. We wonder, if we take a trophy fish out of the water, are we hurting the good genes in the population? And that's a really fair question. I always feel bad about killing large fish for this very reason. You know, and this fish could be... Uh, fish and game biologists uh, have suggested this fish probably 40 to 50 years old. Other uh, non-biologists suggest up to 100 uh, I think probably 50, 60 is probably still pretty old for a fish. So Doc Martin said, there is, of course, an age of maturity when fish begin to reproduce. But stopping reprodu- reproduction is different. Mostly it slows down. The speed and slowdown would depend on the species at some point. I would imagine the fish might attempt to reproduce, but just be physically incapable due to age or the uh, gametes no longer are viable. So you need a little fishy Viagra. The only exception would be uh, semi-semiparous species, the ones that spawn once and die, like the Pacific salmon or or the sea lamprey out of that. Damon Steer asked Doc Martin, I think he was joking, would a huge trout like 37 pounds be attractive to other trout? You wouldn't think it would have to work hard for dates at those good genes. Doc says, I'm sure that would... uh, (laughs) I'm not sure what the relationship between weight and overall genetic prowess for trout. I assume there would be some since it survived long enough to get large. Knowing if the theoretical trout you mentioned was male or female would matter as mate preferences different between sexes. But other factors beyond size and weight are important for the mate choice in Salmonidae, including chemical, morphological, and behavioral traits. So her answer is so like, yeah, probably. Yeah, man. Um, now, I did a little bit of research here about about spawning lake trout. Here's kind of the history of what I found. I'm going to read you a little bit, and then I'll add to it. So, how do they reproduce? Lake, this is from biokids.edu. Lake trout are slow-growing, late-maturing species with generally low reproductive potential. Uh, though long-lived, both males and females, on average, do not reach sexual maturity until six to eight years old, which is old for a fish to reproduce. Research has indicated that environmental factors such as a lake size and soft solid concentrations may play a role in the age of first maturity and overall reproductive success in the lake trout. Lake trout seek substrates of cobble, rubble, or gravel on which to spawn, and males will fan the bottom clean of finer silt so the fertilized eggs of the female can be deposited in the substrate. And the female enters spawning area, several males engage in amplexus, which is clasping uh, with the female. In this way, eggs and sperm are broadcast over the substrate, and spawning takes place in fall or early winter, uh, and almost always at night. Because of cold water, um, fertilized eggs require a long time to hatch. So they overwinter for four to six months, and they hatch. Developing trout remain in the crevices of spawning substrate until yolk sacs dissolve, and then they find the way to deeper water in search of food. Now, in my... In my research here, I found, first of all, that so the average age of sexual reproduction for females is 4,927 days, for male, 4,745 days. So a little bit, 
younger males than females. Uh, they live on average in the wild, 41 years and in captivity, 12. Um, and they're, the really interesting thing about lake trout is, is in researching this, um, not many people see small lake trout. So this, the lake trout between like, you know, six and 10 inches, almost no one sees them. So they, they must like go down really, really deep in the lake and just hide out and eat until they're big enough to become a top predator. Uh, in this research, I also found that there's no end to when they can stop reproducing. I think Doc Martin's on the money. They might age out of it in that they just may be less capable of doing it. Uh, maybe they're less attractive to younger fish. So likely this fish has reproduced a lot of times over its lifetime. Those genes are in the water and they're probably okay taking that fish out. That said, that said, I'm not sure how I'd feel about it. I think if I caught a uh, ethics of this, like let's think about it. So in my sitting behind my microphone desk, I say I feel bad about killing a large fish just for a trophy. But if I had caught that fish and had a chance of getting the state record, would I have done it? I don't know. Is there money? Is there fame, fortune, glory? What's the price? You know, how do we how do we balance the value of a fish? Um, also, if you catch a fish that big, now they were fishing at a. Um, a deep water lake in New Hampshire when they caught that giant lake trout. They caught it down ridiculously deep. They caught it on a huge sucker, uh, likely gut-hooked the fish, fought it for probably 25 minutes, half an hour, and took it out of the ice hole that it probably just barely came out of the hole. It might even got beaten up coming out of that ice hole. So if they took photos and released that fish, would it have survived? I think likely not. I think they would have killed it anyway. So probably they're better off getting the getting the trophy, you know, whatever rewards they can get for their for their giant fish, celebrating and moving on. Uh, but man, I I don't know how I'd feel about it. I'd probably have really really mixed feelings about it, like I do now. So that's your uh, lake trout sex. Oh yeah, giggity giggity. <laughs> All right, the Fish Nerds podcast this week is brought to you by Olukai. Olukai. Olukai, uh, we handcraft Hawaii-inspired footprint footwear, finding inspiration in Hawaiian culture and craftsmanship. Fishing is at the heart of Hawaiian culture today, just as it has been for centuries. Generations of fishermen and women expertly cast from rocky shorelines and sandy beaches. They spearfish, throw nets, fly fish, and navigate their boats beyond the reef and into the deep blue in search of the next big catch. No matter how they do it, there's an attempt to detail and respect for the ocean that guides their passion. At Olukai, they believe the same attention to detail when crafting the highest quality shoes and sandals built for every type of marine environment. Alukai's water-friendly Noheamuko slip-on shoe features razor sipping with non-marking rubber for extra grip on the deck and the dock or the rocks and designed for easy on-off barefoot wear. Um, I got a pair of these in the mail this week. Today I did an unboxing, tried them on. They are fabulous. And the cool thing about them is they're designed for you to pull on your foot so you don't need to untie them. The back of the shoe is actually designed to not get ruined by the way I wear my shoes. So it's really great. Uh, and they look good. 
good too. And when it comes to sandals that perform, Alukai's new Ulele provides the comfort and durability of the sneaker for those long days on the boat or on the shore. And I have a pair of those too. They look like very nice flip-flops. Uh, and, and they sent my wife a pair of shoes too. We did an unboxing today. She loves them. I love them. And I encourage fish nerds, uh, if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support uh, people who are supporting us and they're financially supporting us, please just take a look at their website and it's olukai.com slash fish nerds, O-L-U-K-A-I.com slash fish nerds. Now we appreciate uh, everyone just going, clicking through, taking a look. We all wear shoes. Maybe you buy your shoes from someone who supports us. Uh, and we thank them for their support. Fish Nerds is also brought to you by our listeners over at patreon.com. I promise very soon a revamp of Patreon is coming. I need to redo it. I want to start adding bonus episodes and content through Patreon only. And we're hoping that most listeners can afford to give us like five bucks a month, uh, which is really a low bar to get uh, quality content. I hope you find our show valuable and fun. It's also brought to you by lopestax.com. If you need to get your taxes done, go to lopestax.com. He's our local tax guy, and he's he's a great guy. He supports the show. Been doing it for a bunch of years now through Patreon at the $25 level. So if you give us $25, bucks, we will we'll mention your stuff. Not a full commercial, but a quick mention, and you are good to go. That's at patreon.com slash fishdirts. Next up, this is really great. Uh, we're going to jump in to part two of the Crappy Hippies on on Ice interview. So without further ado, I do do do. Here it is, and and John must have kept these ladies on the phone forever because boy, he got so much content out of Anna. Thank you, John, for doing this again. Appreciate you. Every group of fishing friends has the one. They are the one who catches bigger fish and more fish more often. Their reputation grows and soon their skills are known throughout the neighborhood, the lake community, your small town or school. Sometimes they're acknowledged in the media, but mostly their prowess, humility and patient grace on the water is recognized and praised by those who know them or know of them. We call these fishers local legends. Alrighty then, that was our in-house blues man, Isaiah Beardstubble Medlock, catch his new record, Lady Done Turn Me Blue, by locking my ass in the meat freezer at work on WTF Records. Okay, this is Crappie Hippie. We are going to go with part two of this wonderful interview with Anna Lesishin. Um, tonight we're going to talk about gender, um, gender and fishing and what it means to be a young lady that's out there trying to um, encourage women to fish, trying to find her own way through the fishing world and starting a career in fishing as a woman. So let's enjoy some chat on gender and fishing with the amazing and wonderful Anna on Ice, Anna Lesishin. You know, we we had a, we we both are having problems with adulting and had to go through a lot of communication to get this interview to happen. <laughs> and every time we set it up and then have to cancel, I was like, "Oh, good, because here's another thing I can talk about." And There's so, a lot of trips happening right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see why this person is busy because she's doing everything all over the place. Let me hear about this ladies' event, the fifty anglers, all ladies out there just rocking it. Uh, was that on Red Lake? Where was that one at? 
Uh, no, that was up in northern Wisconsin on okay. um, a small little lake outside of Hayward, Wisconsin, actually. And um, I want to kind of use this to segue into a thing that, that you talk about a lot, uh, especially on um, listen to your interview on uh, women anglers and adventures, um, talking about the community. I love that podcast, by the way. Oh, it's um, so good. It, it's fun. Uh, if you're in that area of the country and you're, you're doing that kind of uh, fishing, uh, it doesn't matter. You, you should tune in because, um, but I, I love the supportiveness, um, the enthusiasm, the, the differences as much as the similarities when it comes to ladies getting out there. Right, right. Uh, yeah, how do you guys um now you didn't put that one together you were invited um is this a new event or is it an ongoing event so this is the second year um that this event has happened and and yes i i did not put it on this is um all organized by um my my friend alicia thompson uh she has her own channel which is alicia joy outdoors um fantastic angler fantastic women's angler and um you know advocate so i mean to put on an event like this is is a feat in itself and she just she does it all out of her her the kindness of her own heart and passion behind getting more ladies you know on the water both ice and and open and that's something her and i just really really align on so i was just more than i was over the moon to be to be invited to this and uh yeah get to partake and and just uh culmination of you know all these just a, a culmination of women that was it, it was just one of the it was there was novice there was you know experts there was an everyone in between and we just meshed together so incredibly well and um there's it, just nothing like it it was it was just a fantastic event well it's really cool and um you know when you have like a, you know, oh, this is a male-only event, uh, that tends to kind of, I don't know, create a little controversy, um, a female-only event. But um, I guess what I'm trying to say is you, you hate to kind of spoil that dynamic of all ladies out there fishing. But then again, um, what would have hurt if a few guys showed up, right? <laughs> yeah well we did we did have some cu some curiosity um you know guys come out be like what the heck is going on there's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know stopping their snowmobiles being like uh what's happening here no and, and i you're absolutely right i think um you know um not without trying to go down too much of a rabbit hole on that subject matter but yeah. um you know there we all whether we we see it or not uh, particularly in you know, saltwater's kind of had it figured out for a few years, but in inland water fishing, um, you know, there's been a gap. There's been a really big gap in women really playing a big active role in fishing. And uh, for myself, uh, Nicole, and a lot of us girls who attended that event, we spoke pretty, pretty openly about how uh, for us growing up, there weren't really a lot of examples. There weren't really a lot of role models uh, for gals in fishing. And, you know, you as a myself, as a 10 year old girl who loves fishing, you know, you go and get a fishing magazine and there's not a single girl in it. It makes you feel a little like, eh, you know, I'm a little out of place. Um, and we're trying to change that. And we're just trying to make sure that, you know, through education, empowerment, encouragement, and really that camaraderie, 
uh, to get girls comfortable on the water. And that's really what it's about for us. And just, you know, really advocating to say, you know, you, you, we see it, we see it working, you know, a lot of the brands who make fishing clothes and gear, you know, they're making women specific items now. And that's been really cool to see right on. um, just how it's grown. Uh, it, yeah, it's fabulous. And, and I don't want to, you know, spiral down very far either because what I'm getting feedback wise and what I'm hearing here and there is that, um, Hey guys, you had your chance, you know, women are more apt to approach another woman if they can find one to help them with their hobby than say a man. Um, there's just, there's just a dynamic there that, um, you know, there's a trust factor, there's a comfort factor, there's a nurture factor um, that women seem to be able, you know, to teach women and, or, or at least certain women are more comfortable with that. Uh, or I guess I'm saying, if you can't find the right situation, you don't have a good neighbor guy or an old fart like me or somebody to take you out uh, right. that you trust and feel comfortable with, it's certainly a lot more um, convenient to hear about someone in town or, or get on a podcast. I, I know you guys all hook up over social media, a lot of you. Yeah, absolutely. No, and you hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. And I think, I think we figured out uh, pretty quickly, especially with social media, that there's no shortage of, of women who are interested. I mean, there's a lot. I, I find a dollar for every time I get a, you know, inbox message on either my Instagram or Facebook platform of a, a girl somewhere that's like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I, I love your content. I, I so wish I had other girlfriends who I could get out and fish with. And really using, you know, that's the beauty of the, the age that we live in now that we're able to connect that way. And, you know, like I, like you said, um, there was probably 10 of us girls there that are more, probably more than 10, probably 20 of us that had all exchanged, you know, messages or comments to one form or another on social media. And that was our, you know, for years. And that was our first time really getting to meet each other in person all in one place. You know, a lot of us have done little one-off trips here and there, but um, it was just, it was just the coolest thing. It's like, you feel like you knew these people, um, you know, f- you knew them already and then getting to, to all be in one place. Cause we're, you know, we're all scattered across, <laughs> across the country. Um, it was, it was just in uh, just the cherry on top of an outstanding event. So that was really, really cool to all be in one place. Well, I'm totally feeling that because I, you know, I, I went up and fished with Clay this summer. I met um, a guy, Isaac's Fishing Corner, uh, I Instagram hero of mine. He's a micro fisher. I met him in Indiana and we did some fishing. Um, I've uh, met, um, discovered a guy right here in the Kansas City Metro that went to the same high school as me. And now we're, we're big buddies. So when you meet these people and you've been an interacting with it, it, it can be really special. I, I can hear you on that one. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's a world, it's a, it's a different world of connection and um, you know, it's, it's got its downfalls, but boy, for, for events like this and, and connecting like that, that's something to be celebrated. Oh, I know. And people tease me, you know, they're like meeting someone off Instagram, trying not to get murdered. I'm just, we're going to meet and tie jigs at Bass Pro. Okay. I'll hey, try not you- to I'll you were one of my first it. followers, John. You, you and I have been <laughs> have been exchanging uh, messages about fishing for a long time. So, I mean, it's it's I it's a super cool world of of connecting with people who are like minded. 
Well, you've screwed up and invited me to come up fishing. You know, when I came up there to do my uh, lead-free fishing presentation, uh, you, you said, you know, come up again and, and, and we'll get out there. And I, I'm not going to forget that, Anna. No, hey, it. the offer still stands. All right, right on. Okay, let's um, let's talk about Nicole a little bit. How uh, You two seem to just hit it off right away. Uh, another Instagram uh, social media connection that has blossomed into a beautiful friendship and a, and a beautiful partnership. You know, talk about it here for a little bit. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We we like to joke that in a past life, we must have been sisters or something because <laughs> we, we it's like we've, you know, that's again a friendship. It's like you feel like you've known somebody your entire life. Um, but in reality, um, Nicole and I have really only known each other just shy of two years. So um, we we connected on Instagram probably three years ago. Um, and she's I'm down at, you know, I'm in Minneapolis and she's up in Fargo. And one day she just messaged me and, you know, we'd been talking about, oh, you know, we should get on the water. You kind of exchanging that back and forth for a while. And one day she just said, hey, I'm going to be going to Lake Mille Lacs, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks. Do you want to join me? And I just, no hesitation. I said, you bet. So she brought her boat down. I, you know, I drove north, she drove south and we met in the middle and we, the fishing was terrible, but the friendship that bloss- it blossomed into is, uh, was, you know, just a total sister, sister friendship. So, um, yeah, and we've just been on the move, adventuring, creating content, and fishing, fishing our lives away ever since. So, um, right. yeah, what started, with, what started with just Instagram messaging back and forth has turned into, um, yeah, just tons of travel and tons of fishing. Well, I, uh, you know, this is a thing where the whole gender thing disappears. All I see there is a couple of fishing buddies, you know, kicking ass and having fun. And yeah, whether it's a skinny day or a fat one, it doesn't matter. It's just, there's nothing on earth like a fishing buddy. No, not at all. Not at all. And, and just, yeah, I, getting to learn from each other as we, we talk about that a lot on, uh, you know, we've done, we've done a few podcasts and whatever interviews t- together. And we always talk about how cool it is to learn from one another like it, Nicole is just an outstanding walleye fisher I mean she's just holy moly does she have that species dialed in and I've just learned so much from her in terms of like open water tactics and everything and and through the ice as well I mean she's just she's got that dialed in and and she'll always credit me with oh my gosh like finesse fishing for crappies and everything like that so we've just had this this not only this awesome friendship but like you know, skill trading in a lot of ways too. You so that's been, that's been super amazingly. fun. You do compliment each other. I, you can see that, uh, that you have a lot to share. You compliment each other. Fantastic. There's a couple, one thing I, I, uh, was watching Nicole's channel and she let out a shriek and she's like, Oh, I've got to quit screaming in my videos. And, uh, no, Nicole, you do not have to stop <laughs> screaming in your videos because that's one of the funnest parts. Um, totally. Yeah, she, she'll, um, we, that's another way that sometimes we're different because when she hooks into it, when she hooks into one that's good, I mean, she, it's, it is, it's full board, you know, yelling and hooting and hollering. And I'm, I'm actually the opposite. I've had to coach myself into actually talking more through my catches because I'm in the mindset of like, oh my gosh, don't lose this fish. Don't lose this fish. <laughs> so I, I clam up. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know. I, I know that, um, the fishers that I know that are, and I'm not, not knocking Nicole or you or anybody, but the fishers I know, like our field tester, Todd Birdie Birdsell are, are quiet. The ones that catch a lot of fish, you know, I just said, you know, yak, 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 yak. And, um, I don't know when you got a good one on, I, I don't, I don't blame you for, you know, 
concentrating because yeah. uh, <laughs> it's it's that's what you're there for. And uh, when you lose it, it hurts. It's like cutting your fingernails too short. It's going to hurt for some, several days. Oh, I always say that anytime I know I lose a really good fish, it's like it's like the the moment that I replay in my head, like right before I fall asleep, <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. and just kind of curse a little bit, like oh darn it, you know you you re- you make yourself relive it over and over again for a little while. Well, I've got a favor. I want you to um, introduce me to Nicole because we would love to have her on the show if you could hook us up. Absolutely, um, I would love to give her an interview. I think. Um, um, I just don't, I just haven't communicated with her as much, um, and over the, the same span of time as you, but I, I, I did want to bring that up folks. You've got to see the vids where these ladies go out and give them help because, um, it's something special. And if you've got a friend, uh, uh, friendship going like these two have, then count yourself very special. All right, let's talk about outward bound TV. We love outward bound TV. We want to, we want to blow their horn here a little bit. Okay, everybody, sorry for the interruption, but occasionally the alpha side of Crappie Hippie's personality has to step in. Um, Hippie, get over here. What? Look, you keep saying Outward Bound TV. The name of Anna's show is Outdoor Bound TV. (laughs) I I like Anna. I like Anna, too, but the point is we want to say the name of her show correctly so we don't sound stupid. Uh, Okay. Okay, so... It's not outward bound. It's not outward bound. It's outdoor bound. Uh, outdoor bound. Outdoor bound TV. It's a really cool name. Out- outdoor bound. All right, now come on, say it after me. We're gonna remember this. Outdoor bound. Uh, um, outdoor bound. Outdoor bound. Outdoor bound. Outdoor bound TV. Outdoor bound TV. All right, we're back together. Sorry for the interruption, folks. Sorry, Anna, and very sorry to Outdoor Bound TV. Now back to the show. But because they were smart enough to pick up on you and get you uh, in front of the camera more and give you a role in outdoor television production. So let's take a minute and you tell us the outdoor TV story real quick. Yeah, totally. No, you you hit the nail on the head. Um, that was definitely uh, my stardom. So I, I give I give Kurt Wallbeck, who's the host of Outdoor Bound TV, um, a ton of credit because I mean I I I basically started my fishing social media account just to meet others, you know, to find fishing buddies, and obviously that panned out as we've discussed. But uh, yeah, Kurt messaged me one day and. Um, and said, you know, hey, we'd love to have you come and, you know, do a guest star on the show. And um, they're actually based in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. So I was just like, yeah, that's super close by. And um, I ended up pro staffing for the for the team uh, that first year. And then, uh, you know, I, I was in a totally different industry. I was in the food industry professionally. And uh, I, I one day just had a conversation with Kurt just said, you know, I sometimes I feel like I'm living two different lives. You know, I have my professional life and I feel like I'm just working to fish and, you know, fishing on the weekends and every spare minute. And, you know, I, I just want to merge those two, those two lifestyles. And um, we, they had a, they had a, opening for a business manager to come in and, you know, handle all the business end of things for the show. And here I am a year later. 
That is fantastic. I tell you, I love when doors open up and when they open up for uh, amazing people. Uh, I think the fact that you're amazing is, is what makes it happen. I, I, I don't know how much of a fatalist you are. Um, we can't give everything to fate because there's so much there, this talent and, and, uh, but the, when two rivers, you know, come together like that, it's, it's, it's great. And I'm, I'm really happy for you. Thank you, John. I really appreciate that. Yes. I feel, I feel insanely lucky and fortunate and, and, um, yeah, very, very grateful for a lot of the opportunities that, um, I've been, I've been lucky enough to, to kind of encounter along my journey here. And it's, uh, some days it, it feels like it's just getting started. So I'm excited to kind of see, see where things go. Well, uh, we are too. And um, tell people now, the minute I told Clay about this, he's like, oh, I got to watch it. How can, uh, is Outward Bound, they do episodes on YouTube, I think? They do. Yep. So we have, um, yeah, we air on ABC all across the upper Midwest. Um, I don't think uh, as far down as you, but across Wisconsin, northern Minnesota, the Dakotas, um, and a little bit of Illinois. But even like in Siberia or somewhere a little bit uh, in Russia. <laughs> yeah. our, our Canadian, are we, you know, we air on Canada across all of Canada as well on Wild Pursuit up there. And um, yeah, I think it actually, some of that range goes all the way over to Siberia and Russia, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, which is really crazy. Hey, they're live fishing fools over there. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah they are. You're, you're spot on. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and then all of our episodes are all on YouTube as well. So anybody anywhere can get, uh, can get that, whether they have ABC in the upper Midwest or not. All right. Well, that's awesome because I, I've watched a couple episodes and it's a it's kind of an old school style show. It's real familiar to me. Um, it's got very, you know, it's got the production values and all that. Um, it's actually super cool. Um, gosh, I don't want to um, sidetrack too much, but um, if we have time here in a little bit, I want to talk about some of these these fantastic setups that you you've gotten to fish out of. For sure. Um, but I, my next page here, let's just just skip from present to past because this story just. Um, every time I hear it or think about it, I get something in my eye and then I get something in my other eye and, uh, it's about you fishing with your daddy coming from Ohio to Minnesota. Uh, you're the only kid that's really digging the fishing. So you become, you know, his, his little fishing partner. Um, I think that's so amazing. And, and, and he, he get cabin fevered up such so bad. He started going out ice fishing and you're the only one that would go along. Tell us about that. Yeah, no, to, for sure. I'm uh, so I'm the youngest of four, and um, my parents were transplants from Ohio to Minnesota. Um, my dad was in the um, the shipping industry, meaning like on the Great Lakes, big you know the big ships. So yeah, my parents uh, moved on up to Duluth, Minnesota, and out of all four kids, uh, I was really the only one that took a huge interest in fishing. And you know, my my dad grew up bass fishing for the most part. Um, and actually my, I'll, I'll tout, um, my grandfather actually held the Ohio state largemouth bass record in 1966. And I don't know how long it ran Whoa. that record ran. So the, it was in, it was in my, uh, you know, my blood a little bit too. So that was, that was always, you know, something we, we talked about, but so um, snagging and, and, and hooking up on giants is in your blood. Is that yeah. what you're saying? <laughs> I guess so. I might, I might have a, I might have a, a family, a family thread there of some fishing luck, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so my dad, um, you know, every year growing up, we'd go to central Minnesota for just a little resort vacation. And I just, 
I don't know if it's just my ADD or my type A personality, but I just became obsessed with being on the dock and fishing. And uh, none of my my older siblings, that was just never really their their cup of tea. And and so my my dad and my mom, you know, saw that interest in me and they just did everything they could to help that flourish. And, um, you know, it, I was, yeah, we were just cooped up in the winter, obviously, in northern Minnesota. And, you know, my dad was just like, well, you know, everybody around us is getting out and doing this ice fishing thing. And we, you know, we got some really good family friends who kind of knew what they were doing on the ice. And we just started kind of really getting into it. And I, I took it to a whole nother obsession level right <laughs> once, on. I, once I was able to, you know, uh, do stuff a little bit more independently. So it was just, uh, I feel really, really lucky to have, have folks that saw that in me and just said, yeah, you know, if this is what she loves that we're going to, we're going to let her take it and run with it. So that was, well, that was fun for my dad and I to explore together. I want to move on to the uh, moving it to an independent level, you naughty girl, you. Um, let's have the short brush story and what your daddy always warned you about that stuff. What I'm referencing here is a story that I heard on Rutten River podcast uh, where Anna confessed about a little ice safety incident she encountered by not following her father's advice. It took a minute for me to bring up the memory, but uh, we finally got back to a meeting of the minds. Enjoy the story. Brush on the, oh yeah, on the yeah. banks. I see what you're saying. Yep. So, oh uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I learned that the hard way. So kind of a rule of thumb when you're exploring new bodies of water um, or even familiar ones if you, uh, you know, when I, when the lakes freeze over, you know, obviously there's always going to be spring fed lakes. There's going to be moving water to some capacity. Usually, you know, if there's creeks or streams and yeah, I, I went out one day and I was trying to, the snow was really deep that season and I was trying to take a shortcut onto my favorite lake. And I decided instead of going, uh, the long way, which I was familiar with, I decided to park my vehicle and cut through the woods to get to my spot. So on when I got to the edge of the shoreline, uh, there's a whole bunch of short brush, which usually, as any, you know, <laughs> outdoorsman would know, is, uh, yeah, that's usually a sign that there's, you know, either marsh or moving water near where you are. And I chose to ignore that fact, and I got probably... I don't know, maybe 10 yards from shore and kapoop, that's when I went right through the ice. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And like, that was like uh, what I said on that other podcast, my dad's voice was in my head being like, look for short brush on, <laughs> the, on the shore banks. And, uh, yep. I, I sure learned that lesson, dad. <laughs> did, uh, did, um, okay. So you get out, you, you, you got some friends nearby, you go over their house, dry your clothes and go right back out ice fishing. Oh um, yeah. When did you uh, uh, ever break this uh, experience to your daddy, or, or or did that happen with Rutten River? Oh no, that that <laughs> night I, oh, I was okay, actually I was busy, yeah I was visiting my folks up in Duluth actually, and I and I came home and I said ah. Uh, I got I got something to admit. <laughs> Tail tucked between my legs and said, uh, "But I did catch my limit of crappie for dinner, so here's <laughs> Here, here's a crappie. I yeah. got something to tell you. Blah blah blah. Here's crappie. Yeah, here's that's how I awesome. Make up for 
Okay, I don't want to get off on ice safety. There's all kinds of places you can. Uh, we talk about it on Fish Nerds a lot. Clay's done shows on it. Uh, uh, Uncut Angling on YouTube has probably one of the funniest, best uh, features on on ice safety. But I heard, I've heard some some certain things um, hearing you talk about ice safety. Alrighty, that's such a great story. We just had to get that one in, but we did kind of veer off onto ice safety right there, and we might get back to that um in the next episode of this interview but right now i want to move back to anna's career it's just taking off she's just finding her way as a full-time fishing professional and uh, let's talk about how that's perceived and how that's taken on a new dimension for her in terms of social media and personal interaction and so forth all right uh, jump past uh well let's do this question real quick did you always have ambitions to um, move up into the, the more of the professional ranks, fishing for a living? Um, was that from when you were younger, or did it just suddenly become an idea when the, the, the gentleman said, hey, you know, we've got a way for you to uh, get on the crew over here at Outdoor Bound? And uh, is that when the light bulb popped on, or had you always wanted something like that to come along? Goodness, no. Um, I... <laughs> I uh, I never expected it to be quite, to be quite honest. I, I, um, you know, it wasn't really, like I said, I started, I started kind of a, a fishing specific page, uh, to meet other gals that were out there doing what I was doing. Cause I, I did, I felt a little bit isolated. Um, I felt a little bit like, you know, I, I have big groups of girlfriends from back home, um, that we all grew up together, but none of them really fish. So I, I was kind of like, you know, there's gotta be other girls out here who are, um, doing what I'm doing and I'm going to see if I can, you know, use the social media platform to, to help me find them. And, um, it totally blossomed into, yeah, I guess using, using my skill set and, um, you know, my knowledge of, of, you know, my experience, I guess, of business. And it kind of just formed into an entirely different path that um, I never would have expected. And I think why I've really just pushed forward and followed it and just been like, yeah, this path was meant to happen is um, kind of back to what we were talking about with uh, encouraging and empowering other girls to get out there and do the same. Um, you know, you don't, without getting, you know, without getting too, too far into it again. I mean, um, I, I just want girls to feel like they can, they can do, they can follow their passion. If they really want to be in the outdoors, whether or not they grew up in an outdoors family or not, um, you can get out there and do it. Just, you know, it grab another, grab somebody who might know what they're doing, um, and just experience it for themselves and, you know, start doing your research, start doing your knowledge. And I, I've just seen that blossom in so many of these girls I've had the opportunity to work with. And I've, that's what just has totally pushed me to keep going um, and just encouraging these girls. Well, what I'm taking away from this is that you, you get your passion, you go out and live your passion and good things can happen. I see so many people, you know, trying really hard. Oh, I got to be a YouTube star. I got to be a outdoor celebrity and so on. And I, I'm in the, you know, good things happen to good people, but it's, you know, even if that's your ambition, um, be, you know, your main thing is that uh, just like we all wanted to be rock and roll musicians. Cause they, you know, have all the fun. Um, the guys that don't really try, the guys that really do love the music, the ladies that love to sing, the ladies that love the music, the people that love to fish, go out and fish. And sometimes these things just fall together. And when they do, it seems a lot more genuine and a lot more um, entertaining than anybody that's really, you know, knocking themselves out. 
Right, right. Well, I I hope that's what I'm. <laughs> I I hope that's the image I'm portraying, and that that makes me uh yeah, that makes me feel good to to know that that's uh how it's coming off, and I I that's that's really what I want. I just I just want to help build up the community of people who are doing it right, and um, you know. Well, we need you. We need you. We need uh, the ladies to get on board. Uh, we've got the fly fishing thing going on. Uh, of course, the more and more ladies into the bass fishing, um, believe it or not, catfishing is, is getting to be something that a lot of women are taking up with their dads and their boyfriends or their, their, their single moms with their kids. Um, and then this ice fishing. What an explosion. Yes. Yes. Uh, we've, we've definitely seen an explosion is an understatement. That's for sure. It is an understatement. It's fantastic. And, and the more fishers, the better. And the more conservation-minded, um, um, environmental health-minded people we have out there, the better it is. But I'm going to move now from something really uplifting, like talking about how, how great it is that there's more ladies out here joining us on the water, to the negativity thing. Um, you know, I just have to ask, because we're having way too much fun here, and we're feeling way too good about everything. Uh, and as sort of a journalist of sorts, I want to, I want to, you know, do you, is there any, you know, fishers are by nature competitive, even as much as I've been around, you know, guys out fishing me, I, I get a little tick in my neck sometimes, a little tick in my, you know, sure. trying to stay sporting, but I'm like, gosh, darn it, what the hell is he doing over there? Um, but does any of uh, the competition go too far or cattiness develop or any sort of um, situation like that? Have you had any problem like that? You know, personally, no. And I don't know if it's just, it, you know, I hear about it a lot <laughs> through, uh, you know, through just proximity, I suppose. But um, I, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in you attract what you put out. And right on. I think I've just kind of taken the path of, I mean, I've just taken the path of if, if you're doing, if you're in this for the right reasons and you're, you're, you know, out there doing all you can to really help you're not, you're not taking a platform of look at me, look at me. Um, I, I think that's where social media can kind of go wrong in a yes, lot of sense. And, um, and we all fall victim to the like machine, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a part of the game that we play and, um, and content building, especially it's like, you know, that's sometimes what you use to, to gain momentum, um, unfortunately. And, uh, but I think always kind of taking a step back and, and saying, you know, it, it you're never you're never going to succeed if you take a, a you know kind of that self righteous path. It's got to be about encouragement. It's got to be about um, building up other people and really trying to you know celebrate celebrate our differences, but also our shared passion and in getting into the outdoors. So I, me personally, I've I've been really lucky. I mean, I'm sorry that doesn't that doesn't make for a very good uh, you know. Uh, dirty, <laughs> hey, I'm happy as dirty dish session, <laughs> but I've been really lucky. I've just kind of avoided, um, yeah, any any drama really. Well, I, that, that's great to hear. And actually, I don't hear even a tent as much going on between women. Um, maybe you know, maybe the certain aspects of the arena will change. But I also think motivations and stuff, um, you know, must be a little different. Um, uh, it's, it's very interesting to me, interesting to me, but I'm glad to hear it, but believe me, I will, we'll get to some dirty dirt because 
no woman can do what you're doing on the level you're doing it without trolls. You know, I've got a big thing in capital letters here, trolls, creeps, and stalkers. Um, oh yeah. You know, you, um, what is the most, you know, the most hurtful? I mean, I would break down a lot of the negativity into, you know, areas like one is, Oh, you wouldn't have so many followers if you didn't have the, you know, you didn't have a woman's body and a woman's face and could do the things a woman could do that, 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 you know, right, the right. misogynistic crowd over here. Sure. Um, the, the mansplaining, you know, a woman can never be as good as a guy out there crowd over here. Mm-hmm. And then people that kind of just seem a little too, um, creepy. (laughs) (laughs) That's a word for it. Well, I, you know, whenever, you know, I get set up to do an interview that's like, don't be creepy. Don't be creepy. You know, it's just like, but I'm talking about people that just won't get over it. You know? Sure. It's a lady, you know, it's a lady, it's a lady, it's a fisher, it's a fisher, you know, it's, it's, we don't have to, but anyway, what's, what's one of the worst things you've ever had said, done, acted out toward you? Do you want to talk about it? Um, you know, eh, hurtful maybe wouldn't be the right word, but I, I think a lot of people, you know, we call them people who like to fish from the couch. Um, oh yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they like to hear their, they love, they love the sound of their own voice, you know, kind of a thing. And, and they want to, they'll, they'll just go off on some tangent about something that you're doing just so they can, you know, pat themselves on the back or whatever. And, it, you know, those are, those are the, I would say you know, I won't give a specific example, but we all know that there's there's just people out there that, you know, you they can fill their own cup and there's a hole in the bottom of the cup and they just got to keep spouting, you know, their mouth to keep that that uh, that self-esteem building up and, you know, feel like they're puffing their chest a little bit. So I don't know. I, I think if anything, I, I think what would be hurtful um, is you know, people who see what Nicole and I are doing and, and they say, oh, you know, you guys are, you guys are faking it and you guys aren't really getting out there after it. And, oh, you're using these guide services and blah, blah, blah. And I think those are the ones that kind of boil my blood a little bit because Nicole and I know, you know, as some of our videos show, we can go out and get after it ourselves. Well, hell yes, you can. Day. That's just you know, awful we, when people we're do. proud that. of our skill sets. We're not, we're not yeah. going to brag about them, but we also like to partner with with you know these these outstanding outfitters and guides and destinations because we want to encourage people who may not be comfortable getting out and doing it themselves and saying hey there's still an option for you there you can you can still get out here and and kind of hone your skills and have somebody to help you there so i if if i would say hurtful i think that's where i kind of you know, I, I, people get off on being self-righteous and saying, oh, you know, you, you, you're you not getting out there and do it yourself or you're using guys to help you do this, that, and the other thing. It's kind of like, yeah, well, you know, we, we know what we're capable of. We're trying to show all the, the, the full broad spectrum of everybody and saying, hey, you can get out here and do this too. Well, when it comes to that sort of jackass um and not the fun jackass behavior, but the, the mean one stuff that is just such like an envy, because one of my rules in dealing with people on social media of, of the opposite gender is um, or, or or that identify with the opposite gender is that, you know, we're going to uh, treat them the way I treat anybody else. So, you know. I know I would take a trip to Canada. I would love to use a guide. I, you know, and I know those couch fishers are the same way. For sure. 
Yeah. And what do you tell you? You're 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 a confident uh, young lady and you have a lot of affirmation uh, due to your skills, due to your situation. But what what would you say to, you know, people, you know, uh, young ladies of any age, they're trying to get out there and and there's a bully or there's an antagonist. Um, How do they keep that confidence up? What would you tell them to think about or say or say to themselves to, um, you know, have the courage to keep on going in the face of that kind of stuff? Um, you know, it's, it's easy to say, ignore it. Um, you know, and, and some of us choose that route and I've, I've done that plenty of times, but sometimes it's kind of like, it's, it's, you know, I love, a, I'll, I'll use uh, my, my friend, Natalie Dillon. She just did an outstanding post about somebody who made a comment on one of her videos and, yes. and she just took the most graceful approach to it to saying, you know what, like, of the time I ignore this or I delete it or I just, you know, whatever, rise above it and and just move on. But sometimes I think talking about it and addressing it to change the, change the perception and change the, the, you know, I guess, yeah, overall approach to, to people like that is kind of important because it kind of, um, yeah, I, I'd have to read her post out. I, I mean, it, it's a, it's a lengthy post, but it, it just addresses that in such a good way of saying, you know what, sometimes it's okay for us to branch out and talk about this stuff because it's all happening. Um, there's always going to be differences We're you know, biologically different, <laughs> you know, in, in between men and women. And there's always going to be those, you know, kind of like you said, trolls, but, um, yeah, I mean, for some of those girls that are, are, in, you know, Nicole and I experience it all the time. And it's just like, you know what? put yourself back when you're in that mindset or you're kind of in that down, downtrodden place after reading stuff like that. It's like you just put yourself on the water, whether it's in your mind or physically, whatever, and just try to remember why you fell in love with doing this. And it, it really reverberates for every one negative comment or one negative thing. You know, there's 40 more positives and um, I just, I really applaud the people who take time out of their day to comment on our posts and our videos. And there's just so much positivity. It, it, it's, oh, it makes it almost impossible not to bounce back from any of the negative crap that you do see. And um, yeah, I, I mean, it's read those positive ones and then remember why you're doing this. That's it. That's uh, fantastic. I, yeah, focus on the positive. Um, actually, uh, Natty's comments are the reason that I, I stuck this thread in this interview so uh, we're on the same page there because it was a wonderful paragraph and i wish i would have uh, kept it here in my notes so but i don't want to take up too much time reading when because I, I have so much more to go here um another thing and this is completely silly but um when i interact with people online um, and this is just a thing about the psychology and the socialness and so on but it, it, as I learned to do this. See, I suffer from AGE. So all this new uh, social media and stuff, you know, my daughter, my wife, you know, people have had to help me and uh, learn to do it and and learn to do it properly. Um, And I'm real careful, believe it or not, about what emojis I put on stuff. Um, If I'm communicating with a lady angler and she's, you know, says, oh, you're so nice and put some, put some hearts and some fish on there. Then I kind of feel like it's okay for me to, start using hearts too, you know, but until that happens, you know, I try to keep it. Would you do that to a guy? You know, would you send that to a guy? Um, cause I, I really get tired of constant threads that are 
you know, I, I mean, people talk about women being compliment junkies, but some of them are just so, you know, enough already. We know she's pretty. <laughs> you know, we know she's, you know, talent. I mean, really, we know she's, she's pretty. We know it's, you know, all that. And, um, um, I don't know. I, I, am I, am I doing it right? Am I doing okay, Anna? You're doing great, John. You've never, <laughs> you, you've never said anything, uh, that even smiled. You've always been very professionally complimentary. And, and that's what I kind of always, my, my rule of thumb, it's like, sure. Any of us lady anglers, we get, you know, like you said earlier, the creepy comments and you know, I just, I just choose not to re-interact with those offenders. And after a few times of me not responding or <laughs> not yeah. liking those kinds of posts, you know, I, they, they tend to get the hint uh, eventually, but um, no, oh my gosh, you've been nothing but super professional. So I, I've always appreciated our, our online friendship that we've had. Well, me too. And, and thank you because at Fish Nerds, we are consummate professionals, even if we, um, do episodes where we eat bizarre canned fish items from around the world and end up throwing up. It's professionally done, professionally done. And you'll, when you become more familiar with the podcast, you'll learn to bask in our own unique blend and brand of professional behavior. All righty, that's part two of our interview with Anna Leshishin, Anna on Ice. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making this interview. Uh, she's a wonderful guest, isn't she? I um, enjoy talking gender and fishing. Uh, there's a perspective there that needs to be explored, and who better to take it up with than a young lady that's trying to get women into fishing, encouraging women to go fishing, offering avenues for connection and so forth, and is an example in and of herself as a woman that's taken her fishing and gone from a recreational hobby to turn it into a career, something many of us dream about doing. Alrighty, believe it or not, I've got a part three to this interview coming up, and I promise everybody it's all about the fishing next time we talk to Anna on Ice, Anna Lessishin. Part three coming soon. This has been Crappie Hippie, your tree-hugging redneck from eastern Kansas, saying tight lines and valentines. Peace out. And so that's it. You've listened to a bunch of fish nerds when you should have been fishing. Big fat thanks to Anna on Ice, to the Crappie Hippie. Thank you to Doc Martin and Vinny for some content today. Um, thank you for listening to the Fish Nerds podcast. We really do appreciate you. Thanks, Diane's Bath Salts, for our theme music for the news. Thanks to Reed from Minnesota for the sex music. <laughs> Thank you uh, to Wally Pleasant for our opening theme. And uh, until next time, follow the code of the fish nerd, spawn early and often. Never trust a free lunch with strings attached and swim against the current every chance you get. Goodbye. Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds. a podcast just for the halibut fried in a basket or broiled in a pan eat it raw like you're in siam fish nerds fish nerds fish nerds it's a podcast